Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. I'm so glad that you're joining us today, which is November 1st, 2017. Our very, very special guest today is Vishnu Swami, and he is called the Maverick Monk. He's bestowed this great honor for becoming the world's youngest Swami at the age of 23 years old. He's lived and he's studied and he's taught full time in a monastery in India, and it all started out at the age of 11. He then has traveled the world. He's visited over 20 countries and 80 cities to teach the condensed knowledge of the Vitas of India. He's also the author of the book Internal Dharma. He also holds a PhD in Dharma, and we are honored to have him as our guest. Hello there. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hello, Denise. I'm excited for this call. This is going to be good, this show. (laughs) I am too. I, I truly am. I like to start my show out by asking my guest, how in the world did you get on the path that you're on at the young age of 11? Mm, yeah, my parents, they were spiritual people. They went to India and visited. I remember the first time I went there, I think I was like four years old, and we lived there for a year studying from the different gurus and spiritual teachers. So I always had meditation and spiritual practices as part of my life from my parents. So when I was 11 years old, I we went on another pilgrimage, and we went to West Bengal, India, which is like the most likely place in the world to be eaten by a tiger, like out, out <laughs> off there in the jungles in Bengal. And uh, there was this beautiful, there was this monastery there. Um, we were visiting that. It was there was like mud huts and thatched roofs, and they had an elephant, and it was like a total, you know, a total monastery. And so when staying with them, I was my parents were there, and then I I, I moved it into the monastery. They had a school where they where they trained young people. It was, there was people international. I wasn't the only Western person there. And uh, so I tried it out for a week. I really liked it. I felt like naturally inclined. Then I stayed there for for a month. And then I flew back and stayed for another three months and then six months and five years. And then the rest is history. And the, that became my life was was that. Were your parents um, there with you or did they have to go in, back to work or how did it work they out? Had to, they had to go back to England. I was born in Spain and then I grew up in England. So they had to go back to to England and but for the beginning to make sure that like everything was okay they were there and then I would visit back and forth and then it was before the internet so we had telephone calls <laughs> yeah wow how fascinating it's almost like you were you were born for this it was your it was definitely your destiny yeah 
I, I, in my book, Eternal Dharma, I speak about purpose. Dharma is, is our purpose. And I feel that doing this teaching, helping, empowering people, and really finding the essential truths of life, how do we live powerfully, how do we live effectively, how do we get the most out of life that's inspiring, that it invigorates us, and that's also useful and practical. And that's just, that's my dharma. That's my nature. That's who I am. So I believe part of that's born. But I guess there's always the discussion, nature versus nurture, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe. Well, and a lot of people are wondering, you know, what's the definition of dharma? What does dharma mean? Dharma is mm-hmm. it's extre- extremely cool concept. What it means is an inherent constitutional function and natural expression of what something is. For example, I have a microphone here. This microphone has an inherent function. It exists for capturing sound and transferring that sound into an electronic impulse. That's what it's Mm -hmm. made for. That's why it exists. That's its purpose. That is its duty, and that is its nature. So that's its dharma. So So, uh, can a person person be be dharma? We have have several dharmas. Yes. Okay. Well, exist in in alignment with our dharma. In other words, who we are is is an exp- we have a dharma inherent in who we are and inherent in our nature. And then the closer we align ourselves with that dharma, the more powerful we can be, the more effective we can be. It's like bending over forward instead of bending over backwards. It's mm-hmm. using things according to their nature. So yes, we all have a dharma. But the fun part is finding out how do we know our dharma? How do we know who we are? How do we uh, know what to align ourselves with to to be our fullest potential, be our fullest self? Well, doesn't that take a lifetime? Some, yes. some people never do achieve it? Yes and no. It also depends, right? It depends how good you are <laughs> at finding it and your training. Um, but yes, really we have two different types of dharma. We've got a temporary dharma, which is only there for a certain period of time. For example, if you're a mother and you have a child, so you have a dharma as a mother. You have a duty to take care of your child, to love, to nourish, to protect, to take care of your children, and that's your dharma. It didn't exist okay. there before, but it exists there mm-hmm. now. It's temporary, mm-hmm. and those can be kind of easy to figure out. I'm a mom. Okay, i got a duty. i got a dharma. <laughs> Right, it, it, it's not sure. it's not necessarily that complicated, and we have uh-huh. several dharmas that can be transferred into our occupation, our work, our many different fields. But then also there's our what I call our eternal dharma, or the dharma that always was, always will be, and always is. That's constant. That doesn't change according to the different phases of our life. And that eternal dharma inherent in that idea is that we exist beyond just this body. Because this body's always going through changes. Every seven years, every cell of the body changes. Uh, we, our mind changes when we hit puberty. Our mind, our emotions, everything's always changing by nature. But there's something that stays fixed. There's something that stays constant about us. And that consistency, that fixedness, the thousand, five thousand year old wisdom of India, which I learned in the monastery and, and, and practice, it teaches us that we are a soul, we're a spirit beyond that. And that spirit also has a dharma. That spirit also has a nature. And when we align with that nature is when we get real power, true power. And how do you do that? How do you align with it? Well, you've got to know what it is first, isn't it? Right? And we, <laughs> we understand that 
the the true dharma, the true nature, is to connect in passionate spiritual love, a passionate loving connection with the divine. So then, so your question is, okay, how do we understand ourselves beyond this body? How do we understand ourselves beyond the mind? How do we understand ourselves as a soul and live as an expression of that? And what I what I teach very much is the reason why people call me the Maverick Monk is because I speak very much about integrating our practical and our spiritual life. I believe it's a total myth that you there's this idea, this dichotomy. There's like heaven and hell. There's like good and bad. And there's the material and there's spiritual. There's the body and there's the soul. There's this like complete separation of reality. And then that makes anything that we do for our body, anything that we do for our mind wrong if you have that that idea but the real idea is that we are a holistic integrated being and so we can any action we do that means whether we're driving our kids to work whether we are working ourselves whether we're cooking whether we are taking care of our family whether we're fulfilling our mission we can act in a specific powerful way that is an expression of both our temporary dharma of our body of our mind and an expression of our eternal loving connection with the divine aligning the Wow. I would think that that takes quite a while to figure out. Yes and no. Again, (laughs) that's the nature of reality. Everything is like sometimes things are so complex and sometimes things are so simple. For example, Mm -hmm. you can look at my cell phone and you're like, wow, how do I figure out how to make one of these? And that's, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of work. I'm looking at it mm-hmm. right now to make a, to make a cell phone. I have no idea, right? I know a lot of stuff. I don't know how to make a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's pretty simple. I dial the number and I press the button and I call and it works. Mm-hmm. And that's really all I need to know how to do. So in the same way, figuring out life and living from that true Dharma purpose, if you like to get into the nitty gritty of it, which I do, then, uh, then it's like building a cell phone. There's all dimension and there's so much to know. But at the same time, if you just follow the process, follow the practice, then it can also, you can reap the benefits. And really what I suggest and how to do that is meditation through proper meditation technique. A lot of us have minds that are just constantly talking. And to quiet them down, even for three minutes, can be almost a form of torture <laughs> because you, you just can't it's like you, you try like crazy to just concentrate on one thing and yeah. before you know it all these voices are rushing in <laughs> and disturbing it so how does one start well think of push-ups i say give me 100 push-ups it's like wow i can't do that that's so hard that's so difficult it's it's it's, it's so hard but for some people 100 push-ups is nothing they practice it regularly. They've done it for a while. They've built up the muscle thing, and it's very easy. So it's like in the thousands-of-year-old wisdom, it says everything comes through practice. Everything comes mm-hmm. through you know, perfect practice, proper dedication. So when you practice a little bit, do a couple push-ups, one or two a day, gradually build it up, it becomes very easy. But also, uh, I just created a meditation program. Go to maverickmeditation.com, and I have a, a, whole, a whole training on that free for, for the people in the audience. And oh. in creating... That's wonderful yeah. gift. I know. It's pretty fun. It's just like all these years of work, I just put it in, in, in a, a little web class that you guys can take on maverickmeditation.com. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, that will wonderful. make the process easier, definitely. Mm-hmm. But my point with that was that in creating that program, I mm-hmm. in, in creating – 
in creating that program, I interviewed people. What are your problems with meditation? What are your difficulties? What are you looking for? So I wanted to create things exactly what people wanted. And everyone was saying that, oh, it's my mind is chattering. My mind is disturbing. Another issue people had was time. When do I have the time to do this? How do I manage the time? But uh, it's, it's, that's, that seems to be a very common myth that meditation is about stopping the mind. It's about halting the mind. It's about making the mind stop thinking, destroy thoughts, and my mind's just too chattery, and it almost seems impossible because it is almost impossible to do that. The Dharma of oh, the mind. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. The Dharma that's good of to the know. mind. I mean, that's a the, very the, good piece of information for everybody. It really is. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it. No, you're just thinking you've got a wrong idea around meditation. Meditation is like exercising the mind. It's like focusing the mind. So really what we're doing is channeling the energy of the mind into the area in which we want it. And that, 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 the benefits of that bleed out into other areas of our life. So we learn how to focus and we learn how, instead of kind of like making the mind just one thing, what we do is, is we put like a fence around the mind and say, I want you to operate within this sphere of thought or this sphere of existence. And it bounces around that, but then that, that, how do you say, attention or that awareness, that controlled awareness is what gives us more power and gives us all the benefits of meditation. Oh, that's interesting. So, so um, do you pick what you choose to challenge your mind into? Uh, yes and no. That's like the theme of this, <laughs> of this call, yes and no. Good, um, good. So, yes, you can set a specific goal, and part of my Maverick Meditation Method that differentiates it from others is we have we set a specific goal and intention. From this meditation, I'm going to achieve this specific result, and then you adjust the meditation all around to be able to create that result, very result-oriented, action-oriented, and then there's actually different stages, but there's guidance on how to do it, just like anything can be done correctly or incorrectly. So, yes, you do I'm have control. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to go to your website and try cool cool exciting exciting let me know after how you've done oh i will i will i wonder how long it's going to take (laughs) quite a while (laughs) no 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 that's it's simple beautiful meditation part of what i talk about is creating your inner happy place Oftentimes, like if you compare it to push-ups or something, it can seem very diff- difficult. But it's like when I work out, it's it's an exercise. It feels good. It's actually rejuvenating, revitalizing. So to have this, this idea of meditation as something that's that's tough and difficult and it's like going into battle. I mean, sometimes it might feel like that, but really it, it should be invigorating of energy and life-giving and inspiring and fun. So how would one know if they were growing spiritually? Because hmm. is that part of, of it? Someone, yes, the spiritual side is, is part of it. Everything that I teach personally is about integrating our practical life and our spiritual life. So anything that I recommend to do, and in this case, a specific type of meditation, maverick meditation, is will help you make more money, have better relationships, be more effective and powerful in the world, and, and get what you want to done, achieve goals, and got all that side of it. And at the same time, it will help you grow spiritually, connect with your eternal dharma, with the nature of your soul, and connecting with the divine. So that's definitely part of it. And your question was, you had a very good question, and I forgot it in going off on a tangent. No, no that's, that's, that's fine. I, to, to be truthful, I was just thinking of my next question. Um, 
in your book, you talked about, you know, the spiritual wisdom, and that's what we're talking about. Um, and you said that it, it isn't put to the test when all is going well. Yes. It's very and I want to, to know, it. I want to know why, why does, why does it, it's like, if you become this, you know, a, a, a spiritual human being, I mean, I consider myself a spiritual person, um, and, and in a very happy place. So why would it, my spiritualism be put to test if something went bad versus I'm in a good place now spiritually? Oh, what I mean by that is the whole point is to get to a good place. We love the good place. Everyone wants the good place, totally. But what I'm saying is that this true, how do you say, power sometimes is more realized when you're going through a tough time. Then we know it's working. We know it's helping. It's helping us when we're when we're going through a difficult time, when it's a tough time, when we've lost our job, when we're going through a breakup, when we're when we're having financial troubles, when we're having relationship issues, when there's having health problems. Then we can see that okay, now by practicing this meditation, by pra- doing this spiritual practice, by living my dharma, if that helps me get out of that situation, helps me create the life that I want, then I know that this stuff works. Because, okay. I mean, to, to be honest, everyone says, I've got the panacea, I've got the thing. I think the part of the fallacy of religion is re- religion says, do this, and when you die, you'll get all the benefit. But who knows? How can you measure it? How can you test, you know, when, when, when you die? <laughs> yeah, have we talked to... to anybody lately about that? <laughs> yeah. So I can make up anything side. I want. Exactly. But... So so that's what I'm saying. So when you're having a good time and everything's, you know, peaches and cupcakes, then it's like, oh, this spiritual stuff, it's great, but you don't always see it. it's, it's true power and it's benefit. Mm. But it does help in those yeah, times, so, too. It, it so add, it's really about add extra cream to the cupcake. Power. It's really about the power of, the power of it. Yes. Yes. Huh. In, in Dharma, is in, in the spiritual aspect of of let's just say who you are, do you believe that that you can um, affect every cell in your body to do more positive things? Of do you do you look at it from that perspective? Which is I'm kind of going into a little bit of biology, but um, yes, just think when you're angry, when you're pissed off. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the airwaves. I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> no, but, fine. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. When, when, you're, when you're angry, your heart beats faster, the temperature mm-hmm. of your body rises, you, you sometimes sweat, you become red, the blood moves different. It's the, the mind-body connection is, is just so apparent all the time. When you're emotional and you cry, then water comes out of your eyes, for goodness sake. Water comes out of your eyes mm-hmm. from a state yeah, of consciousness. That's true. <laughs> for, I mean, what, what more proof do we want? I mean, it's like right out of your eyes, you know? So... <laughs> So the connection is definitely there, and the process of meditation, like for example, in Maverick Meditation, which is what I'm always thinking about right now, because it's my latest, my latest project. My book was first, now it's Maverick Meditation. MaverickMeditation.com, people. And so, right. I, I, in there, I explain that there's four different stages of meditation, 
And the first stage of meditation, we talk a lot about stress because nowadays everybody's always stressed. If you use technology mm-hmm. at night at nighttime, your body excretes stress hormones. It messes up your endocrine system. If you yes. just uh, emotional things, it's stress, just the food, stress, everything in our society. If, if you, the traffic's too loud, you get stressed. And if you mm-hmm. have perceived danger, everyone's just always bombarded with stress and stress and stress and all these hormones are going through our body and, and utterly just mess us up terribly. That's why we have an obese society in, in, in the United States. It's, there's an, another author, Alan Christensen, he, he talks about this. He has a whole book about how stress makes people get fat and it's just this direct correlation between the, the cortisol and the fight and flight hormones inside the body. And almost anybody who talks about stress always recommends meditation as the key antidote or one of the most powerful antidotes against stress. So it's really mm-hmm. about taking control of our mind, taking control of our body, taking control of our being, and, 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 and doing that. And we can actually change the, you know, the hormones that are running through our body. We can change the size of our brain, the structure of our brain. And definitely, like you said, that does affect every cell of our body, does ex- affect every part, every, every part of our being. For sure, and mm. anyone who practices it just is like, duh, of course, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's um, there's an author called Bruce Lipton, and he wrote the book, um, the biology, the cell, mm. and and basically, what he talks about is, you know, what you think is is what you become. Um, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, yeah. and there's a lot of truth, and that every cell in your body has a memory. Mm-hmm. So it remembers yeah. everything. <laughs> everything you do, yeah. everything you say, <laughs> everything. Exactly. So you exactly. Need to be really, really mindful. You <laughs> know, really mindful. The biology exactly. of belief. That was the name of his book. Yeah, Bruce Lipton. Biology of belief. Yeah. Biology of belief. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's why that's... it's so important to tend to our mind. It's so important mm-hmm. to care about our mind, to channel our mind, to focus its energy in a way that creates our body, and not just our body, then also dictates the way that your state of mind dictates your emotions, which it dictates how you interact with people. It changes your relationships. It changes the actions that you take. It changes the choices that you make. And, and really, all of our life is affected by our state of consciousness, our state of, uh, our state of mind. And so it, it has to be you know, taken care of. It has to be worked out. Well... Everything we do is dictated by, um, it's like 95% is dictated through our subconscious minds. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah. really only conscious 5% of the time anyway, you know. And so if, if you look at those statistics, look how important it is to take care of your mind and to reach in versus out. And the only way that I've heard of that you have the ability to do that is to be minute. You're yeah. kind of... You're, you're kind of like saying, uh, hey, consciousness, go away. <laughs> I've got work to do, but it's on the subconscious level. Am I correct in that? What do you mean by that, that when you're meditating, you're telling your conscious mind to disappear so that you can work on a subconscious level? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. I, I disagree with that. I, I disagree oh, with good. that. Oh, good. But I, but I, I understand. Yes, but I understand why people say that. There's different stages of meditation, and there is an element to that in the certain beginning stages. 
But no, the whole beauty is no? to channel the energy of our minds. We want to have our conscious mind powerful. We want to be able oh to live gosh. more from a place of consciousness than a place of unconscious or subconscious. Oh, level. for heaven's yes. sake. We, 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 we <laughs> fix our subconsciousness, but why would we want to deplete our consciousness? You know, and I know that well, there's it, I know there's a lot of meditation that teaches that. I, I'm aware that it's not just something oh, coming okay. from you, and there's there's entire cultures behind it. But I oh, there is disagree. okay, but that's yes. that's where you're you, you're different in your yes. in your spiritualism in your thinking and in your methods. That's what separates yes. you from the others. Absolutely, absolutely. Ah. And, and it's now we're getting here, like, somewhere here. <laughs> yes. And there's the, this is on the practical side, like we're discussing, but it's also mm-hmm. on the spiritual side. There's reasons for it. it it's, it's related with our relationship with divine, relationship with reality. A lot of people have this misconception, this notion that this world, in this world there's color, in this world there's texture, in this world there's sweetness, there's taste, there's relationship, there's happiness, there's emotions, there's sadness. So therefore, if I'm going to do something spiritual, it has to be the opposite of the way that things are in this world. So in this world, if I'm conscious, I'm thinking I'm active, then the spiritual domain or the spiritual reality must be bland. Everything must be nirvana. Everything must be one. Everything must be just like all the same equipoise and not, not, how do you say, not having any dimension and any variegatedness. And there is an aspect of the divine which is a much longer discussion. I do explain that in the later chapters of my book, in um, Eternal okay. Dharma, but uh, where that is partly true. But what I, but what the five thousand years wisdom of yoga of, of the Eastern teaches, and what I experience to be much more fun and beautiful is like in this world, if there's how do you say, like I live in Hawaii, if we look out, we see beautiful rainbows and we see beautiful color and mountains and, and the clouds and the ocean, and it's absolutely beautiful and attractive, mm-hmm. that beauty originated in its source. That a beauty originated in the, the divine dimension, and the beauty that we're experiencing here is a small fragment of what is tasted or what is available in the spiritual domain. So if you like mm. the chocolate cake here, imagine God's chocolate cake. Imagine the, <laughs> the, 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 the happiness there. And spiritual life uh-huh. is about getting more happiness and joy and pleasure, but uh, of, of almost a different type, a different dimension of it. Hmm, different dimension. And what I mean I'm, by that. I'm, try, I'm trying to process yeah. what, what you're teaching. I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more because I didn't explain that properly, the different dimension. Okay. What, what, what I meant by that was okay. that the reason why many spiritual paths rightfully are about negating the world is because people experience that if I try to enjoy in this world, when I'm trying to enjoy, when I'm trying to enjoy, oftentimes I get kicked in the face. Oftentimes, it doesn't work. I like the chocolate cake here in this world. I eat chocolate. I like it. I eat more. 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 Then I get diabetes, and then I get fat, and then, I, then mm-hmm. it, the, the cake doesn't even taste good anymore. And so that pleasure is limited. So that, that thing that I thought was an object of happiness now leads me to distress and suffering. Okay. So, so therefore, people learn to, to say, okay, I, I want to not find happiness in the chocolate cake, in the stuff of this world. I want to find an internal type of happiness, which is, which is detached from the things of this world. And that is beautiful. And that is the first stage of spiritual growth. 
and so when I was saying there's a different dimension of happiness is that the chocolate, God's chocolate cake, it's the first time I've used that, right? Chocolate cake in the <laughs> spiritual domain, right, is very mm-hmm. different, is a different dimension or a total different type of chocolate cake that exists in this world. That chocolate cake you can eat bountiful amounts. You can eat an unlimited amount and it doesn't cause mm-hmm. the suffering and the happiness is is how do you say ever increasing and 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 of a different a total different reality in a sense because it's it's not tangible well um, yeah in other I words mean, it's experience. not materi- in other words it's it's not materialistic okay it's not physical in a sense it's not physical exactly. reality not that we're physical. looking for it's not materialistic yes. it's not something tangible that you can just hold or touch or it's an experience or want Inside. It's an experience, it's, yeah. It's an experience, and the question is, how do you induce such an experience? Some people will use a physical things to induce that experience by having a chocolate cake, in this example, and that physicality will induce a state of consciousness, a state of mind, that experience, and we're really after that experience that we have when we eat the chocolate cake. But you can have a greater experience without needing the physicality of the chocolate cake, and that's now we're going into spirit, Got it. spiritual reality. Got it. Yep. Definitely. But are there dif- different that, levels of it? If, yeah, let me get to you, the question. One, uh, what, for, what, what, for instance, one you're. Oh, sorry. Okay, no, ask the question. Ask the question. You you have achieved probably the highest form of spirituality, and it took you um, a long, long time. Are there different levels that people climb? as they practice. Of course. Of course. Everything you do, there's growth. If you want to learn how to play the piano, there's different levels in playing the piano. You want to be a good cook, there's different levels of chef, of cook. Everything is about practice and about growth. And uh, so, so, yes, of course, there's different levels. In the Maverick Meditation Method, I explain that there are four stages of, of meditation that, that you go through and you can, you can induce. The first stage is actually, ironically, the part that I'm saying that, oh, that's not what meditation is about. That's actually part of the first stage of meditation. And that's where you're detaching yourself from the physicality, from the chocolate cake, from the things of this world, and, 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 and focusing your energy by, by, by full awareness. Then the second stage is where you're taking that awareness and you're focusing it in a specific place. And ironically, part of that focus empowers you to be able to make much more, many more pieces of chocolate cake. It empowers you to be effective and powerful in the world and make more money and have better relationships and create all the things in the world because they're not bad and they have their place. They just have to be done in the right way. You know, you just have to eat the right amount of chocolate cake, and it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, not too much, not too little. Because also, no chocolate cake is terrible, <laughs> yeah. right? Who would want to live right. without chocolate cake, right? <laughs> it's about the, Gosh. The, the proper amounts, the proper... But those uh, are, but yeah. you're talking about four stages within your program, correct? Yes, but they're also the four state. Like, there's different types of meditation out there. Now, when I came yes. from from India to the West, I see there's like every everybody and their uncle has like a different try this meditation. So what I what I did was I encapsulated all the processes of meditation and put them into four divisions. So if you come across a, a guided meditation that does this, or you come across a, a transcendental meditation, or this type of meditation, or that type of meditation, you'll see how they fit in one of the four stages. And then you'll see how those stages, in a sense, are also an experience 
that happens in your meditation practice. The more you practice, you'll feel yourself growing from stage one to stage two to three to four and evolving through those stages. But at the same time, when you're conscious of the stages, when you're aware of those stages, then you have control and you can move through stage one to stage four very fast. And that doesn't mean that you spend 20 years on stage one and 20 years on stage two. That, mm-hmm. that, I mean, partly maybe, maybe so to actually realize the potency of the stages in their fullest expression may take a long time. But at the same time, in one meditation practice after, after you know, just very fast, you can take yourself through a process. Okay, I'm doing this to align my body and my mind. Now I'm in stage one. Now I'm focusing my attention. Now it's stage two. Now I'm connecting to intuition. I'm connecting to my creativity. That's stage three. Now I'm connecting to the divine and spiritual connection. That's stage four. And people can experience that in, the, in their first session of meditation. So it works both ways. Oh, that's great. That's great to know. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. Let's talk about karma. A lot mm. of people will assign that to <laughs> to situations where uh, something hasn't gone so well for them because supposedly they did something to somebody that they shouldn't have, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of like karma is a beep, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So karma, literally, the... Sanskrit word, it's what I teach. I wrote a book, Dharma. Love people. Is that similar to karma? Is Dharma, what's, what is it? Um, karma literally means action. And it basically is the idea that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Sometimes that reaction is immediate. If I punch the wall, then I get hurt knuckles. And I can see the direct correlation between punching the wall and my hurt knuckles. Or, or throwing a glass on the floor and it breaking. Just throwing the glass on the floor, that, that is a karma. That is, that is action. And then the glass breaking is the reaction that comes from it. Oftentimes, people, when they talk about karma, they only think of it in terms of the reaction, the glass breaking or getting the, 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 the cut on your hand. But in, in essence, it's still the same thing. The action is leading to a reaction. And it's not always necessarily negative. It's also you do positive things. I put the oven, the cake in the oven, and it comes out as a nice chocolate cake, <laughs> right? It comes, and that's the, the reaction from my actions. Um, so there, that's the basic idea. Now, the idea can expand beyond that and say that, okay, that sometimes there's a delay in the universe or there's a delay in reality of when the reactions come. So I can do good in the world, I can do good actions now, and then I'll get the good reactions later down the line. Kind of like networking. If I'm networking with people, I can always be kind, I can always be good, I can always be helpful to people, Mm -hmm. and then when I need help, then someone who I helped maybe a few years ago, they'll help me now. That's a reaction Mm -hmm. of what I did, even though I didn't see the direct correlation. So that's the basic principle. And of course, if you want to get mystical, if you want to get woo about it, then there's then you can see things in in, in a lot of ways that way. But it's a pretty straightforward principle. Mhm, mhm. So the karma of meditating, the acting of meditating, leads the results of changed brain waves, leads the results of a restructuring of your brains, new new the happiness centers of your brain lighting up and becoming more effective, decreased neurons in, in the uh, amygdala, the part of your brain where, you know, the fight or flight response. And so that's the reaction, that's the karma of doing the action of meditation. Oh, does it actually rewire parts of your brain? Yeah, there's these studies go, I mean, I'm not a scientist myself, but I look up on the studies and I'm like, wow. There's, I just read an article on Forbes that talks about seven ways that 
meditation restructures, rewires your brain. If you guys come on the web class that I'm doing on, on MavericaMeditation.com, I actually give a link to that article uh, there that, oh, that has the different scientific research of the seven ways that it actually restructures your brain. And in the article, it said something which I kind of like. It said that for thousands of years, people practiced this, knew it, but now finally science is catching up and giving research and study to support uh. So that's mm-hmm. kind of my experience. It's like, yeah, I've known this from the monastery. I've practiced this my my whole life. That makes sense. Oh, finally, there's a there's you know a peer reviewed scientific paper that that says the same thing. But there's a lot of research that that says that now. You know. Interesting. Have you seen in your work some miraculous recoveries with people that that have suffered from pretty serious illnesses? Oh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, anyone who practices meditation, you can just see the change in them. I try to stay away from, you know, being the doctor for people sure. because there's Absolutely. legal issues with that, right? And that's sure. I stay within my expertise and that. But mm-hmm. I've experienced with myself total total changes uh, health-wise with it, and I've seen, I've definitely seen things in, in other people with that. You think Especially it's, nowadays. It's, do you think that the spirituality um, overcomes, say, certain toxicities in, in our bodies? Um, of course. Absolutely. That, that's, that's really the, powerful. The simplest way is is if you see uh, with the stress hormones, again, is that the stress yes. hormones, only they get excreted from a psychological mm-hmm. relationship with reality. You feel scared That's because of, of, of something, and then these hormones immediately mm-hmm. affect your body, and they cause chronic all kinds of problems inside of in, mm-hmm. in, in your body. But if... So, yeah, that's an immediate, how do you say, direct correlation. But other ways also, I mean, if you say yoga, for example, yoga is part, mm-hmm. a small fraction of the, the vast Vedic knowledge that I teach from, and how many health benefits are coming from yoga, and that's not from the physical exercise. People have been doing physical exercise forever, but yoga, ah. if you understand the way that it works, is it works on another level. It works on what people would call like the mystical or the woo level of, of, of prana, of chi, of, of life force or vitality, mm-hmm. energy that, that flows through the body. And for someone who doesn't experience that, it might seem weird and woo-woo and cuckoo and stuff, but when you do yoga and you can feel that energy in your body and you feel it move, it's like, okay, well, pretty tangible at that time. Or like I, when I study martial arts, I study jiu-jitsu and aiki jiu-jitsu, and that is like we use this, this, the energy in a fight when someone's trying to defeat mm-hmm. you. And if you're like, if it works to kick someone's ass, it's, it's probably pretty real. You know, it's pretty tangible. <laughs> so, yeah. so meditation. Well, it's interesting, is, you know, yeah. that you mentioned chi because, you know, that's in the, the Indian um, culture, but it's also in the Chinese culture. Yes. Yeah, in the Chinese culture and the Japanese culture here in Hawaii, they talk about mana, and they in the Hawaiian cultures, many many indigenous cultures always have a relationship with this subtle energy, with this mm. uh, the, the subtle energy of chi. And there's many, there's so many different sciences and practices which are all based in using that energy and extremely effective. Acupuncture is all about moving that chi inside the body, and That's I studied some acupuncture yeah. myself. And it's amazing results with acupuncture. Amazing. Yeah, you know? I agree. And I've, yoga. I've practiced it too. It really is. Yeah. So, so now here's here's the deal. There's 
since we're, this is this is a health a health call, so, is there's <laughs> there's they, they explain that there's three types of medicine. One type of medicine is medicine that is is like we're going to do operations. We're going to cut something. We're going to fix it. We're going to do things mm-hmm. physically, and it's, it's very kind of like invasive and, and strong on the on on the body. And then the the ancient you know, wisdom traditions, they say that another type of medicine is based on herbs. You take certain foods yes. and certain herbs that nourish yes. a different part, and that's kind of a superior type of medicine than just, like, mm-hmm. cut it, sew it up, you mm-hmm. know. And then uh, they say that the, the most advanced type of medicine is just done with the mind. It's just through mm-hmm. your awareness and your mind you can fix it. Because, and that might sound like, well, if that makes sense, that doesn't, that doesn't, where's the groundedness in that? But all I say is pick your hand up right now, move your arm with your mind. You are moving your physical body, right? Squeeze your fist, scratch your head. Mm-hmm. Everything that's just your mind is controlling your physical body all day and all night. It's what your mind does. It controls your physical body. So by having better control of your mind, you can have better control of your body. And why not? have control of other parts of your body to be able to keep you healthy. It's like, um, yeah. I, I believe it's scientific that people can actually slow their heart rate by the mind only. And yes. It, it, yes. It's, it's measurable to be able to do that. So if you can change your heart mm-hmm. rate, then perhaps there's some truth to thousands of years of people saying that they can help their digestion with their mind. They can help other ailments with their mind and be able to, but through meditation, be able to take control of their health and their vitality. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, you know, we hear of instances where, uh, say, you have two pets and they've been together since the very beginning and one of them dies. Well, the other one dies right afterward. Yeah. A lot of times. Dies from heartbreak. A lot of times. Uh huh. Yeah. There's one girl I was speaking to, and she was going through heartbreak, and her mom said, no one ever died from heartbreak. And I'm like, I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, uh, no you'll, you'll see couples that have been together for 50, 60, 70 years, you know, one of them will die, the yeah. other one will die. Not always, not always, yeah. but it does happen. Yeah. And it's not like the other one had any kind of, you know, real serious ailment. No. <laughs> yes. They just we're decided all, it's time to go. We're all striving for connection. It's the nature mm-hmm. of the soul, the nature it's our deepest dharma is a loving connection. We're all like in a sense orphans in this world looking for happiness, loving connection. It's all we mm-hmm. really want, you know. All we really need it's in very our true. everything. Yeah. Mhm. Right now in the world we certainly need it. Yes. Yeah. So what do we do? What do we do when we're we're feeling sad or we're having a bad day? What do you recommend? Oh, there's a bunch Meditation. of fun things we can do. Meditation. <laughs> How did you guess? How did you guess? <laughs> Maverick meditation. <laughs> yeah. Meditation is about controlling our state, our being. I remember one time yeah. I was I had some I had some bad karma. I guess, and I was like in a really difficult stress situation. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I was freaking out, and I was like, wait a minute, I teach this stuff. So then I, <laughs> I, I sat down. You have to remind yourself. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I mean, you're, you're always learning and always growing, and you know. And, al- and you always have distractions. Yes, yes. 
And so then I sat down and I did the meditation. And then all of the, I just felt like I had all this stress on my body. It felt like I was captured in this ball thing. And I just let it all go. And I was like peaceful and was happy. The external situation didn't change, but I changed. And the external situation didn't affect me anymore. Mm-hmm. And by doing mm-hmm. that, I was in a powerful position to be able to deal with the external situation because I was unaffected by the distress that it was causing me or the difficulty that it was causing me. And so, yes, meditation, definitely. Powerful. Yeah, well, you created you created a different reality for yourself. Yes. Just like you were saying earlier in our interview, you know, we we live in different realities throughout the day. <laughs> and yeah. um, sometimes we need to change that framework through meditation. Yes. it's. I mean, our reality happens through our consciousness, through our mind. Have mm-hmm. you ever been... I, I see this sometimes here. I'm in Hawaii, and so I'm in Waikiki, and I, there's everyone's on vacation all the time. And you see sometimes mm-hmm. there's someone walking, and they're like, oh, I'm in Hawaii, and I'm on my honeymoon, and they're all so happy and enjoying the, the beautiful thing. And then you see someone right next to them walking like, all angry. They're in the exact <laughs> same spot, you know, but total different reality. Yes. And yes. It's it's about your consciousness, your way that the the way in which you work with reality, you know. Mm-hmm. I kind of say but just because, like your phys- anyway. But I'm because just- but because you've achieved the level that you have, who do you attract mostly? Who do I attract? You mean who are my students? No, I mean, in other words, because you operate in a in a different reality a lot of times um you'll you'll attract the same type of people to you as a result Mm -hmm. that energy it transfers yes you feel you feel an energetic resonance with people who are on a similar vibrancy people who are on yes on kind of that same energy length that 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 same wave and and that's that's powerful like when we talk about becoming rich uh, who is it? There's one multimillionaire. I, I don't remember his name. He was like, what would you do if you lost all of your money? And he said, what I would do is I would do anything that I could to get $500, buy a nice suit, and then I would go to where rich people hang out. And I would just associate with them. I would be with them. And then their way of thinking, their connections, their networks, and I would become rich again by, by hanging out with that vibrancy. So one of the most ancient and most important, how do you say, spiritual principles is the principle of association. Who who do you associate with? What energy do you have? What, who, do, who do you connect with? How do you connect with them? And, and that mm-hmm. totally affects you. There's one verse in the, in the Vedic wisdom that says, just as if you take a diamond and you put it on red cloth, it vibrates red energy. It becomes red, right? Or if just as you put it on blue cloth, it becomes blue. In the same way, we become like those who we associate with. So it's almost more important than doing meditation or more important than anything mm-hmm. is about hanging out with the people that you want to be like or whose qualities you want to rub on you what 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 vibrancy do you want and the good news is nowadays with the internet we have much choice on that because a lot of our socializing yes. a lot of our connecting is done over the internet so we can choose to mm-hmm. block block the haters you know everyone has them <laughs> right block the, the people that are not in your vibrancy and connect mm-hmm. and follow with, with those who do you know 
And so one of the things in my Maverick Meditation Method program, I, the, the, the course that I give on, on maverickmeditation.com, so it's a one-and-a-half-hour training where I teach you and you can learn how to meditate, but I also have a more extended program that people can spend more time with me. And one thing that I try to create for the people is how do we create a community of like-minded people, of people who are, who are meditating, who people are who want to grow, who want to be in control of their mind, their life, and their reality, and how do we how to say foster that connection and that community and that group because that is as valuable as the training. Because otherwise you can have all the training and if you don't have the right people, you ain't gonna do it. It's just the way that it works. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> well, Vishnu Swami, you have been absolutely delightful to talk with. Why don't you tell the audience again where they can find your program? and where they can find your book. I think it would be very oh. helpful to them. Go to maverickmeditation.com, and I am doing a web class there, so you'll be able to get a web class from me on meditation, and that will be fun. That's the number one place. But also to get my book, which is super awesome. We have some meditation there. We didn't talk about this. There's a whole other dimension of things in my book, Eternal Dharma, you can get that anywhere books are sold. So you can Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, independent stores, or if you just go to my website, maverickmonk.com, there's some blogs, articles there, maverickmonk.com, and there's a link to to get your book copy there. But maverickmeditation.com, that's where I want you to go. Now. You are a busy, busy man. <laughs> yes, a very busy monk. You're a very, very busy man. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I... I truly am going to go to your website. Um, I need to finish reading your book. And um, I will keep in touch with you, let you know how my newfound meditation is going. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes, let's keep in touch. Thanks again, Vishnu Swami. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, that ends our broadcast for today. Thank you so much for listening in. It has been very enlightening, and I've learned a lot, and I know you probably have too. Please tune in again next week. We'll have another great guest, another great show for you. Until then, be happy and be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?